the What's Buzzing podcast. I'm your host, Sam Degnan, and along with me, Michael Fraley and Will Mortensen. We are now on to season two of the show. So as you know, well, we are, I mean, we were Blake students in Minneapolis, but uh, as of, wow, it was two Thursdays ago. God, I thought it was last, no, it's two Thursdays ago. We are now graduates. So we initially did the senior, like the podcast as our senior program, which is why there was like nine episodes in 11 days. Um, it was kind of a sprint. So we decided to take a break because it was just a lot. And now we're back. So we hope to do this for the rest of the summer, at least, and maybe in the next, into the school year, um, you know, maybe once a week, twice a week, we'll see how it goes. Um, but we just, we're, we're back and um, we're, we're starting with a, a familiar topic, a movie rewatch. So Mike, you want to talk about what we have on, on our plate today? Uh, yeah. So we originally, we wanted to do a horror movie. We thought about doing A Quiet Place, but then, you know, I, I think we kind of realized that, like, well, it's not as popular as Get Out, and Get Out is definitely, I would say, the better movie. Um, so I think that's just, I mean, I think we're all just really wanted to get back into this for the first, for the first time in a while, um, and obviously picking a pretty popular movie. And a great movie, nonetheless. Do that is a good way to get back into it. Quick question: to Start us off. Um, have you have you guys seen this movie? It was like like yesterday. Wasn't your first time watching this movie, was it? I had seen this prior to, so this was yeah. my second. Movie. I had seen it before. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so with me, yeah, this is my second time. I mean, I feel like it's just it's one of those movies that gets better on every rewatch because you notice like especially with this, there's so many hidden metaphors and hidden themes. And um, it's a credit to Jordan, Jordan Peele, how good he is. And um, I'm just super excited to get into this. So I think, um, I think we'll go the same way we have in the past with our movie rewatches. Um, so we'll start with the first scene and we'll just go keep on going. You know, maybe there's an MMR in there or MRR in there um we'll Maybe. see but um perhaps perhaps. <laughs> perhaps perhaps um so the first scene so the movie opens up focusing on this guy who we know to be later andre and um it's just such an eerie feeling because like the music i think it doesn't it start off with that song that is repeated at the end or maybe um, no, I I think that that's when they're driving to her parents' oh. house. That's when that song that's, comes on. That's like Jordan Peele's trademark is these eerie scenes with like this weird like carnival music kind of. Yeah, and I don't know if you've seen if you've seen his second movie Us. It's the same thing. It's like these really dark, creepy, suspenseful scenes with this like music that somehow like fits, even though it doesn't seem like it should fit. So, yeah, yeah, I, I like that. That inclusion kind of, like, makes it unique. It has its own style. Um, the way this scene is shot is just so, again, just so eerie because it starts out on Andre, right? And, you know, from what he, like, from what we see, he's just, like, a cool dude who just feels pretty uncomfortable in this situation. I think he's actually on the phone with Rose now that I think of it. 
right? Because he's like calling someone like, I'll see you in a couple of minutes. Like knowing what we know. Oh about yeah, 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 yeah. Because then I think, I think, dude, I didn't even think about. I that. didn't even think about. I didn't think about that either. But yeah, that, no, that makes perfect sense. Because who he, you know, with he, I think he gets out of the car later, or the person who gets out of the car, I think, is Jeremy, the brother. Probably. Just yeah. The way he like he acts like he was so sporadic and violent, and just remind me of when Jeremy was, you know, had Chris in a chokehold later in the movie and. Um, but anyway, the way the scene is shot, it's just so creepy because we focus on Andre, right? And then we like the camera like flips 90 degrees or 180 degrees and you see the car like drive by, right? And then as the, as the car drives by, like the camera turns around and the, it, like you can always see like the car in sight while focused on Andre. So it's just like, it's just like also like pretty distracting, but in the good kind of way where it makes you like, like really, really creepy. And and also too when he decides to cross the street and like it pans back and the doors open and the car's pulled over, yeah. And then you don't really see who's in it till he gets kidnapped. Yeah, and that was all one shot too. Like the first scene was all one shot, which is just like a really cool start to the movie. Um, yeah. Also, there's a lot of themes with like color and how it like relates to race. Um, we'll get into this later, but you know, it was like a white sports car that I think Jeremy pulled up in. I'm pretty sure it's Jeremy. It, it, I feel like it had you're, to be you're right. Cause remember the car at the end that, um, that Chris like leaves the house in, it's that same car. Now that I think of it. Really? Yeah. The house, that, the car that Chris drives off in at the end of the movie when he's like rushing to get away is the same car. Oh, is it the white? And, oh. and the keys from Jeremy, he takes the keys from Jeremy's pocket after he, after he knocks him out. Oh, because he the, doesn't have his own car. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. 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 I didn't even notice that on the <laughs> – that's crazy. We didn't even notice that on the second rewatch. Only, There's so dude, much. That, I guarantee you if we'd watched this the third time, we'd pick up on five things we didn't notice again. Yeah. yeah. That's what's so good about it. But, yeah, anyways. Um, the scene after, I don't – have this written down i think it was the introduction to chris yeah he's just like shaving in his bathroom i think also this is just a little thing but like that first like couple shots where it's like chris is in the like on the right hand of the you know the screen and like it's a shot like of the apartment you can see like so many little details about like his you know his photography and his, and his dog and and mm -hmm. um and then it, like zooms into chris like in the same way i don't know it's just like it's just such attention to detail that i just like when i first saw it i was like okay he knows what he's doing like this is like really advanced stuff like filmmaking wise so that's when i like really uh, the movie it's just a good way to it's a good way to set up to have like two minutes of them talking about their relationship like it's just a good way to set it up i think you know they don't spend too much time on it um I think more when they do a better job of it is during the ensuing car car ride up to his, her parents' house. Mm -hmm. um, and then obviously the deer crash. And then the cop tries to get Chris to show his license. And she's very defensive of him, which like right away makes people – and that's like 10 minutes into the movie. So people are already thinking, okay, well, she obviously cares about him a lot. Um, yeah, I really bought like even – the first time I really, really bought it. So when like the reveal happened, 
at the end of the movie that like really messed me up probably some, like i could like yeah like, i i agree it, you they do a great job of making you buy the relationship between the two but there's also just like so many real situations about race in this movie that just feel like real and authentic and it's just mm-hmm. like you know like my dad would have voted for obama a third time like he's yeah. not racist like that just like yeah like you know what i mean it's just like that doesn't make you not racist i know it's just it's stuff like that that they say throughout or that mainly the dads dean says throughout like their first interactions it's just little things like that just to try and make him feel like he's on the same page with him yeah there's just a clear there's a clear disconnect between a lot of the the white people in this movie and you know with chris and like jordan peele points that out like when he was like when he asked him if he played golf and then he's like i do know tiger like trying to connect with like chris solely on the like aspect of his race Mm -hmm. like doesn't work like obviously like what was his name jim or the guy the blind guy yeah like the way he was able to kind of connect with or like he made chris feel a little more comfortable was by talking about his art like just treating him like you know not making like his race as a black man like the focal point of the conversation which everyone else did mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah, yeah. so i don't I, know just the way yeah. they addressed race in this movie was so real and it was so authentic and it was just really really good yeah so also on another thing i want to talk about in that car ride is when is it okay is his friend rod or ron i don't know it's Rod, right yeah. rod. okay he's doing it laura howard is hilarious. It's so funny he's so yeah, funny. hilarious in this movie <laughs> But when he calls and it's like, he's talking about, yeah, <laughs> he's TSA. He's calling and he's like, don't go. He's like, it's obviously meant to be a joke. He's like, don't go to her parents' house. You know, it's only bad news. And it seems like it's just a complete joke at the time. But like, he's right throughout the entire movie. Yeah, he's right the entire time. Like his character, no, exactly. that's what I love about it. His like, character is just like a joke, but he's yeah. right the entire time. And that's the like the funny thing too, yeah. Especially like when he's talking to the cops later, and all three of the cops are just like laughing at him. Yeah. The thing is, like, he yeah, like he's right, and like everyone's laughing in his face, and everything seems so ridiculous, but like he, he is somehow right. Oh. It seems like so obvious that he's right just watching the movie. Also, like this, like there's little things sprinkled in, like if you. You guys probably haven't thought about this like right like up to this point, but Jordan Peele does a great job of like creating a distrust for like law enforcement in this movie, right? As we the first time you know, Chris, you know anyone interacts with the cops, um, like that one cop asked for his license for no reason when he wasn't driving, like I mean we we've seen that you know before and it just it felt really you know terrible and again it was just you just don't trust you know law enforcement at that point and then also when rod goes to the cops and none of them believe him believes them even though i mean his story is like sounds a little ridiculous like no i i think part of that i think part of that though and like i, I want to get into this later but it's just i think it's just peel making fun of his own movie in a way Cause it's just like such a ridiculous idea, like the eventual twist of what's really going on. 
it just yeah. like on paper, it just sounds like that's impossible. But so but I, I think that's more just played for laughs, honestly. Okay, but I think that too. But I, I think that does add to the distrust of cops because when at the end you see Chris after you know he's like strangling Rose on the ground, you hear the sirens and you see the flashing lights, and your my first thought was, oh shit, like he's gonna get pinned for this. Yeah. I mean, He's like, it just doesn't look good. And then it's Rob. But like, I was, I don't think I've ever been as nervous in a movie seeing like those sirens pull up. Cause I know there's an alternate ending where he gets like arrested. Chris does. I think Zach Slavin, who's been on the show before, showed this to me. And like, it was just that the movie could have easily ended that way. And I'm really glad it didn't, though. Honestly. I mean, does it make the movie worse? No. I mean, honestly, it, if you like, it could have made like the movie resonate a lot differently with the ending. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Let, let, let's let's say that though. I I get that, but let let's just. I mean, we're only like ten minutes in at this. I point. know. I'm, I'm I'm jumping around. This movie's just <laughs> there's too much. Oh no, that's yeah. well. No, that's the great part about it. Like so much of what happens in the beginning just core. Like the whole movie correlates perfectly. Yeah. yeah. All the foreshadowing, and then that's like a so another scene. So I think when they first get there and like they're driving in and like the groundskeeper is just standing there, like looking super weird. Uh, and there's like so many little shots like that where it's like Chris just looking at the groundskeeper or the maid, just like being super confused and seeing them act weird. Um, but it's the shot of when they're like shaking hands with her parents and it like pans way out. And I, I like that because I, I think that's supposed to represent just how little control he has in this situation. Mm-hmm. And maybe like on a larger um, on a larger theme, like how little control a black person has of their own life. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's just, I think that's a great way to represent that just by um, using a different camera angle or different uh, size shot. Mm-hmm. That directly that relates with the, the sunken place too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It pans out yeah. that same way when he's in the sunken place and like, his vision or like what he's seeing, like, especially when he's seeing like Rose's mom in the chair, like that's getting smaller and smaller as he like falls farther and farther down. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then he's more and more control. So, yeah. I think it's, um, yeah. So they go, so they go from there, they meet the parents. They're like talking when they're like talking to um, Dean and the mom in the living room, whatever. Um, I think it's it's more just like Dean trying to fit in with Chris. You know, I don't know if that's where he says the Obama line or not, but that's that outside. Um, you see yeah, that outside. Yeah, that's outside. But um, so yeah, it goes to there. And then it's this is a scene I like a lot when he's like showing him around the house for the first time. And he talks about how his grandpa was beat by Jesse Owens. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you don't it's it's again, it's like you don't really listen to that. But then that's such great foreshadowing because when it's revealed later that her grandpa or his dad is uh, the groundskeeper, like in the groundskeeper's body, um, I, I just think that's such a great that's such a great little piece of foreshadowing. Because I mean, you don't even consider it at all when he's talking about um, his grand his grandpa's love of track. 
Yeah. yeah. And like, also, they, they walk past the basement, and he like just kind of brushes it off, like it's locked. Or like, yeah. Just like, yeah, yeah, like what he said something specific. He said it's like there. He said there's like mold, or it's like molded oh, black mold down there. Black mold, yeah. Again. Oh yeah, yeah. No, that that's true. It's it's just like every scene, every line. It all it all matters, honestly, and that's mm-hmm. something I realized watching again. Like you need to watch every scene. You need to really pay attention. The thing is, though, on a first watch, like the dialogue feels so real and authentic. Like, first off, you could tell like Dean has done this hundreds of times yeah. with like a bunch of different like people that Rose has had over at the house. Because you know, like the way he's like told the Jesse Owens story. Like Chris, at first, like it connects with Chris. Like Chris is excited to hear about it. Like it seems like he's being you know, real and whatnot. And then when you watch it on a second rewatch, it's like you realize, Mike, like you said, there's so much foreshadowing embedded in that, you know, in that way that you said. Um, But also, like, I also thought it was kind of cool or not cool, but like interesting that Dean like addressed like, you know, how it looks, right? Because like, it's a, there's a bunch of white people who have like African Americans as their servants, and like he addresses how like it looks bad, and he like tries to connect with Chris. Like it just shows how far like these people were willing to go to like make this happen. Mm-hmm. Well, and the thing is, like, there's like the acknowledgement. I feel like of that, like you're saying, like he addresses how it looks. I think like we often look at like the acknowledgement as like, or I think that's what Peel's trying to describe. He's saying, like, the acknowledgement of that is really just a trap instead of, like, it doesn't confirm, like, someone's, um, like, anti-racism, kind of. Mm-hmm. Just the acknowledgement. So I think he's talking about, like, all this, like, lighthearted acknowledgement of, like, the situation as a, as a trap. And we see that as the movie unfolds. Um, I thought we should talk about the performances right now, overall. Sure. Um, you know, I thought Rose's actress was so good because she yeah. was so believable. And the yeah. way she like, switched up at the end from being, you know, like Rose, like someone we really, you know. She's so, yeah, she's so comfortable. And then she just switches yeah. up to being like maniacal and just, just like yeah. a second half. Um, mm-hmm. Dean also is pretty, you know, like he seemed like like a flog, yeah, like you know, but he also like seemed like he was comfortable, like too, you know what I mean? Like they all just yeah. seemed, they they seemed yeah. like real people, yeah, and like they completely switched up at the end. And I think that's the thing is like they seem like people that like you and me could like like interact with on a daily basis or like spend time with like as a viewer. They seem like people we could be comfortable around. Mm-hmm. And then by turning them into complete psychos, that like that's where the mess is. and like killers and people with like ridiculously like twisted agendas, that's where we can see just how um flawed a seemingly like comfortable system is, kind of. Like that I feel like that's where Peel's yeah. message got through to me. It, it, it's like it's trying to build trust and say that these people are here for you 
They're here to protect you. And it's yeah. kind of like, it's what happens in every day. And unfortunately, you know, a lot of that's going around in today's society. Mm-hmm. It's like a lot of these similar issues, exact issues. But I think what Peel's doing here is he's bringing up the issue of like, you know, all these people saying they're going to protect, help, provide for you. And that's kind of similar to how like people, maybe like politicians or other people mm-hmm. are always trying to, they're always saying they're going to provide, protect you. But at the end of the day, they don't. You're just like another person, kind of like Chris's. Mm-hmm. Like they don't really care. You're just there. Um, so other people can benefit from you, which is exactly what happens in Get Out. Mm-hmm. Chris, Chris like doesn't matter at all. He's just another person to what their family is doing. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think, yeah, like, like Dayton, I know you brought up the performances and Mike, I think the performances are critical to that message getting across. Mm-hmm. And when you're talking yeah. about like, they're, they're just there, like Chris is just there for the benefit of others. I think it's important to bring up like, um, Jeremy, the bro- Rose's brother, his comments about like genetic makeup and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, right. Dinner that, that like dinner, when they're talking about UFC and Jeremy's like, Chris, like with your genetic makeup and like a little training, you could be like a lethal UFC fighter or something. And Chris is like, nah, it's too brutal for me. But Jeremy has this idea of like kind of using like this athletic stereotype kind of, I think, or this athletic, like this black athlete model. And he's trying to like exploit that or like get a rise out of Chris by using that. So obviously yeah. we see that today with like the shut up and dribble comments and stuff, especially in the last couple of weeks um, when those have kind of come back to the surface again. Mm-hmm. Also yeah. Dean was like, Dean was like, so uh, Chris, what's, what sports do you play? Like football, basketball, like just like, and you like said that. And I, I think he, said football, he said football and baseball, I think. And then Chris said, no, nah, like I'm, I'm a basketball player. I don't know. I just, stuff like that. Like, well it's it's like when they're it's like when the two parents and rose and chris are outside and they're talking about his smoking habit and like dean's like this really nice guy he's super cheerful the entire movie and then as soon as they get start talking about a smoking habit like dean almost gets like mad at him and super cynical he's like smoking's a really bad habit you know you need to get off of it Mm -hmm. um it's gross and then later when chris is like right before he gets hypnotized by the mother yeah and she's like are you smoking around my daughter so they're constantly like telling him how bad smoking is Mm -hmm. and i think that's just a good foreshadowing because um the person who wants his body doesn't want to have smoking habits that come along with it i think that's that's just another great way to foreshadow it yeah, I didn't think about that. I didn't think about that either. I just thought about it as encouraging him to go under hypnosis. Yeah. No, no, it's just like I, I think it's just like they don't want they don't want to give off somebody with a smoking habit. Yeah, you're right. Because like some some like eighty year old who wants a new body isn't gonna want. Like they don't care about Rose. Like they don't care if she's around. You know, Chris, if he's smoking. It's just using. Yeah. Just want to use a a body that or they see a body that they think they can use in a certain way and they want it to be able to, I mean, yeah, that, that's exactly it. They, they, yeah. yeah. They don't care about Chris at all. It's, it's just, they're trying to perfect his body. Can we talk yeah. about that hypnosis scene? Um, yeah, let's do that. 
I thought well, before that though, before that though, there's like the um so when he goes out to smoke that night, right? He like wakes up in the middle of the night. Phones and off then the it's the scene with the groundskeeper just sprinting at him. Yeah. It was so creepy. Which is dude, the first time I watched that, that like gave me nightmares. That was like that was just the that's like the weirdest shit I've ever seen in a horror movie. <laughs> and it just like it pans it pans to the backyard, nothing's there. Pans back to Chris, he's like kind of looking away. Pans back, this guy just hauling ass at him. Sprint. Yeah, booking it. It's scary too. It's it's like super weird. It catches you off guard, but it's like, uh, what the hell, dude? It's almost scarier that he like turns away at the last second and just yeah. sprints off. Then it because like you think like oh he's just gonna like take Chris out and then he turns away and that's just so we like he gets just close enough and then like doesn't touch him it's so weird and and that's the thing too like the first time I saw that I thought that was just in there for like just a scare but it's like there's layers to it like that's the grandpa that's him running because yeah. he can't, couldn't run anymore you know it, it's like things like that 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 make that just elevate this movie this movie doesn't rely on jump scares to be scary, which is it doesn't rare at like at this point in time for a lot of horror movies because a lot of horror movies just like rely on jump scares to scare the audience. This movie uses like a lot of creepiness and you know eeriness with its tone to like yeah. make it really scary. And also just like the stuff with Dor- Georgina was also like really creepy, or she would just uh huh yeah. You know, just stand there and, you know, whatnot. Also, I just yeah. thought of this um, at the ending scene. And also with, like, I think Georgina, I don't know if she, if, if it was a wig or not, but, um, like, all the people who were trapped, like, the African-Americans who were trapped wore hats because of, like, the incision on their head. Yeah. Like, yeah. with um, Walter. Like at the end, like his hat comes off and you can see like the incision on his head from the surgery, which is why they all wear hats. And I just realized that I thought that was crazy. Yeah, that is insane. Yeah. So yeah, then, um, so then Chris comes back in and then the hypnotizing scene where it's just like the thing that's so, that's so like, and what's that you're saying? Like it's psychological terror. That's yeah. why I think, that's why I think this is these, I'm calling this a horror movie. I think this should be considered a horror movie instead. Of Absolutely. Just yeah. But that's why I think this is the single best horror movie you can watch right now. Yeah. Because it's like the way that the mom with like just her words and obviously the hypnosis too, but she like traps him in the chair, you know, like you, cause Chris, it like shows for like 20 seconds. He's like looking around, his eyes are darting around. He's like doing a nervous laugh. Yeah. And he's also like trying to like, yeah. You like claw with his fingers and whatnot. And he's, Yeah. And then eventually, but like the thing is, like when he come becomes like more frozen, it's when she starts like exploiting like the trauma of his past. Yeah, yeah. And so the thing, like, and you can see that she's like preparing for that when they're outside, like during the day on the deck, and she's like, "So what about your parents, Chris?" Yeah. And he's like, "Yeah, yeah tells her what happened." It's um, just, yeah, it's because it's similar. It's so interesting too because. It's like that, it's probably that feeling he had, you know, when he's talking about his mother and how, like, when she died, he was just, like, sitting watching TV. Mm-hmm. He was, like, frozen. Like, yeah, he, was there. he just didn't want to, like, 
and it's so weird because it's kind of it's it's very similar to where he's just frozen in the chair yeah because he like can't he like wants to do something but he just can't right which is i i that scene is just and the anxiety too it's another thing like even watching that for the second time it's just like the, the anxiety is just building when he's trapped in that chair and she's just like pestering him with questions Daniel Kaluuya, I think I think it's how do you say it? Daniel Kaluuya. Kaluuya, yeah. So good in this. I honestly he's thought he was the best actor in this movie. So good. He was so. He's good. Un- I mean, and I watched like I've seen a Black Mirror episode with him, and he's unreal in that too. I mean, he he's like he's so talented. The way he was able to convey like, you know, such emotion as well as confusion, as yeah. well as just he was just yeah. freaking out while stationary as well because he couldn't move, so it was all in his face. Mm-hmm. Right, and he was yeah. cry and act shocked, and he was just broken at that point. And he did such a good job. And you know, I think the actress who played the mother or did a very good job too, just playing off that. And she was just very creepy as well as you know, very pushy and just unlikable. Yeah. It's just to me, the idea of the sunken place is just like that's terrifying enough. Yeah. Yeah. Just being trapped there watching your life like like an audience member mm-hmm. i mean i know we were i mean we were obviously discussing like our biggest fears and stuff and i don't know mike if you want to go into this now but like this movie like creates new fears mm-hmm. it's, yeah no that, that is a good time to go into this um so today's mrr we have in light of the current subject we have biggest fears um yeah i thought about putting the sunken place on here honestly because like after watching this again it's just like that that scares me that that beyond scares me um but so yeah so i'll start with number five biggest fear of mine i've put heights okay heights any heights whatsoever um i I don't know why, but I, I just heights. I can't, I can't look down. I'm, you know, someone once told me that, and I think this kind of helped me deal with it. It's like, you're not afraid of heights. You're afraid of falling, which is fair, but that doesn't, you know, thinking about it now, that does not help me at all. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Um, I still, I can't go on anything. Call me a puss if you want, but it is what it is. Oh my God. So, um, That's probably my number one. It's a common fear. It's one of mine, yeah. Um, number four, mine's actually this one you could call pretty puss, but I have throwing up at number four. What? Um vomiting anything. It doesn't it's disgusting to me, but I just I hate I'm the last time I threw up I was in like fifth grade, right? Serious? Yeah, and I'm just like I'm scared of it happening. Dude. I, I'm just scared of it. I'm What's still so scared bad? of it. What happened to you when you were younger, Mike, to make Throwing up such a traumatic experience. Dude, but that's like a pretty good run from fifth grade to now. I know it's crazy. Like I've never gotten sick of throwing up. I've never thrown up after like working out or something. But yeah. Um. So yeah, that number four, number three, I actually have the ocean. Now okay. this might okay. be a very interesting one, but I've always thought about, you know, just like say you're just swimming in the middle of the ocean, and there's like miles upon miles of water beneath you and just like everything underneath there all the animals it just scares me to think about how like vast and um alone alone it is yeah 
Dude, that's like one of mine too. Cause like obviously like if I'm at the beach I'm fine, but like being in the open ocean is scary. Yeah, miles. If, especially if there's like nothing in you like along the horizon line, like you're just so alone. You don't know where to go. You have no sense of direction. Yeah, probably get dizzy. You're also like treading water. Like, I don't know. You wouldn't make it like that long. It'd just be a slow. It wouldn't be good. Yeah. Yeah. So ocean number three, number two, um, this is a very, a lot of these you could argue are pretty dumb. Number two, I have losing my wallet. <laughs> um, look, I don't, whenever I go anywhere, like every 10 minutes, I have to check my pockets to make sure the wallet's in there. That's fair. I cannot bear to imagine the thought of like getting back into my car, driving home and my wallet's just not there. Cause like, the ensuing pain that would come from my parents, you know, getting mad at me, like you have to go get a new license, everything, all yeah, the money, all the cards. <laughs> it just, I don't want to, I don't want to, like, I don't even want to think about it right now. Yeah. Cause it'd be such a pain. It, it's just, I, I always have to check my pockets. It's my phone. Like I, I kind of have like my phone was stolen when I was in fifth grade. So like, I also kind of like, always check my phone all the time just because like I don't want to lose it again so I I don't know I, I feel you Mike on that yeah um I, wait I don't understand why though you have it losing your wallet or like higher than like being in the vast depths of the ocean <laughs> falling from like dude you don't understand my you don't understand, I understand the wrath the wrath of my parents that would be thrown, that would be thrust upon me <laughs> upon losing my wallet. Like, I, I would not recover. <laughs> so it, it's kind of just a personal thing. And it's something, I think why I have it up here is because I think about it like every day. And, like I don't think about swimming in the ocean, the vast depths, unreached parts of the ocean. But like the wallet is always on my mind. That's like, fair. That's you're, fair. Mike, you're telling so, yeah. me you'd rather be stuck in the middle of the ocean than lose your wallet. <laughs> See, he's well, thinking about here's it. Here's the thing. He's here's, about the thing. It. here's the thing. Here's the thing. No. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't. But I'm still more scared of losing my wallet, honestly. I I because like you don't die if you lose your wallet, right? But if you're in the ocean just chilling. Mike, you're making it sound like yeah, you're lying. Anyway. All right, all right. Anyways, anyways, anyways. No, Number Mike one. I'll never be able to explain. <laughs> yeah, it's a personal thing. Number one, I have, this is undoubtedly, not even close to any of these other ones. Number one, I have spiders. There we go. I was wondering uh, if that was going to come up. Now, here's oh. the thing about me. I, you know, I'm, I'm good with like most bugs, creepy crawlies, you might want to call them. I can't do spiders. I just, I can't. Something about spiders and the way they're, it's like the way they're shaped, the way they look, it just terrifies me. Yeah. I don't like little house spiders. Like if I, if I were to see like a tiny house spider walking past my screen right now, I would, the computer would be like through the window, honestly. <laughs> Dude, that's like that's like me with centipedes. Centipedes, yeah. Like we have, we have, like sometimes in my house, I'll see like the biggest centipedes like crawling across the floor. Like, yeah, that I, will scare me. 
I, I'm not as much with centipedes, but dude, if it were a spider, like daddy long legs are out, Yeah, I'd get out the flamethrower, honestly. <laughs> All right. What was the what was the movie? Uh Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Where he yeah. it'd be, it would be like the end of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> exactly. Uh-huh. But um yeah, anyways. So I think that was a good place to take a break in this movie. But Solid. So after that scene in the sunken place, um, it goes to like the next day, right? And Chris, he wakes up. It's kind of, isn't he like, he's like confused, but he's not like scared yet. So then he goes and talks to the grounds, groundskeeper. Yeah. Right. And this is like kind of the first sign that like, okay, something's wrong with these people. Like this is the real first sign. Because the guy talks, I don't know what he says. Something it's just like a, it's stuff that an eight-year-old would say. Obviously, yeah. it's like nothing. Um, yeah, it's like nothing that I don't want to be doing. When yeah, he's chopping wood. And then he says something at the end that's like, he says something, and then he like tries to clarify it using like old man speak. Yeah, yeah, like really weird. And then so Chris, yeah, that, Chris it, goes to Rose after, and he and he's like, it's not what he says; it's how he says it yeah also we see this with andre later on like the dialect of the like the way that like um they talk after like they've been taken over is completely different because in the first scene we see andre and andre is just like does not talk at all like he does when he's talking like as an old man yeah and you know after he's been trapped you know what i mean so i think um I think that's just, I think you're right, Mike. It kind of shows like that on a personal level, these people are pretty messed up. Yeah. So then I think from there, that's when kind of the whole auction thing starts. Um, they're all clearly there to see Chris, right? Yeah. Like he doesn't, I mean, he has no idea about it. And it's just, it's these little lines each time they show different interactions where it's like people coming up to him, looking at his physique, like feeling his arms. Like you said earlier, the one guy that asked him about golf. Yeah. His golf. Um, his form. Yeah. And he's like black is in fashion too. Just making him feel uncomfortable. And then what I think is one of the best scenes in the whole movie, if not the best, he meets Andre. Yeah. In the beginning, clearly acting weird. Yeah, it gives him the fist bump and he grabs it with his hand yeah so it's just it's a bunch of signs it's so great because they give you so much to go off of to know that like okay something's wrong with these people yeah but you can't piece it together at all that's the thing yeah um so yeah then chris goes he like goes to sit down somewhere else meets the blind man um the artist who talks about how much he loves painting whatever um yeah. Wishes he had eyes, which again, more great foreshadowing. Um, he says, um, I mean, and like Jim also connects with Chris, like, as I said earlier, like more than, you know, the rest of the people. And he says, like, these people mean well, but they have no idea what real people go through. Like, yeah. obviously those people don't mean well, but like, when you were watching that scene at first, like, you could, like, I thought, yeah, those could be real people who have that disconnect with, you know. Yeah. So, oh, it seems it seems so real too at the same time. Yeah, 
Like exactly. on the surface, it's just old people who don't understand. Yeah, and it seems like stuff like we would like, like we could imagine hearing. Like it's it seems like stuff like we would just hear walking around or like we could hear in our normal lives, like that would happen right now. Exactly, yeah. and there's that, that's because it is. That's yeah. because it is. Yeah, heel makes it so relevant and contemporary because it is like I guess like he has to because it is relevant and contemporary, and that's what he does, and that's what the actors do. Jim says this line, it's um, one day you could be making prints in the dark room and then the next day you could wake up in the dark. And that's just such yep. a crazy, that's just a crazy double meaning line because of, of course he's talking about himself, right? Because he was like making prints in the art room then he woke up in the dark because he's blind. But that also applies to Chris because Chris as a artist and a photographer himself, like that applies to him. And then with the sunken place, yeah. like that's what like, was supposed to happen to him uh-huh. you know what i mean so I, I was just like a double like meaning thing and i didn't notice that the first time i noticed it this time it was just such a good line and again it's just brilliant writing yeah um so then from there what is he like walks upstairs and everyone looks at him and they like just stop talk. talking just looks at him that was so creepy that's a creepy scene that that's a great way to also show that they're really there for him mm-hmm um so then he goes and talks to rose again his phone is unplugged too which is more um great foreshadowing i think though so when they he eventually like he like, thinks it's georgina that's doing that but i i mean i think it's really rose it's just that rose pins it on georgina yeah she like tells her to go apologize to him yeah um so I, I, I don't know. I, I think that's Rose. If you guys, like, what do you guys think about that? I think it is Rose, honestly. But that yeah. scene with Georgina was crazy. Where, she, like, she, she was apologizing. You start, start falling, yeah. And she was, like, crying. Like, you could see, like, Chris says something, right? And, like, Georgina, like, kind of breaks for a second. Like, you could see the person who was in there before, um, like, yeah. yeah like like is there and like the way she does it with her facial expressions with the tears and then like she regains control which was just like so it was i think it was super confusing the first time i saw it but then once i like on this rewatch i was like yeah Yeah. so i think a little bit before that though then once they get out of the bedroom then they have like the the confrontation with andre where he takes, cause he's like trying to prove, Chris is trying to prove that like something's wrong with him. Right. Cause he knows that's not the real Andre. Yeah. Like an eight year old man. And then he takes a picture with the flash on, which, and then that results in the get out. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's just like the facial, what we were talking about earlier, the facial expression acting in this movie is phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. Like they, yeah, every character shows so much with just what they do with their face. Um, and when Andre, he like, you know, it, it's like, I think like his eyes kind of change too, in a way. And then he, he realizes what's happening. It's just so creepy too. Cause then he goes up to Chris, starts shouting, get out, get out. It, it's um, weird to think that that was the second most authentic interaction Chris had that entire movie uh, other than Rod. That's true. That's actually true. Because everyone else, like, for a brief second, like, you know, Andre, like, was in there. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
So, just, and he's just like, it's so sad too, because you feel so bad for Andre because you know, he's just trapped in there and he's trying and Chris has zero idea. Like Chris couldn't even imagine that that's what they're really doing to people. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like suspicious, but he really doesn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, then he, then they like try to tell him it was a seizure, which he's, I mean, he's smart enough to not believe. Um, then he calls Rod, doesn't he? Yeah. He calls Rod to tell him about what's going on with Andre. Um, so then Rose goes to Rose and Chris, like go and talk somewhere else. Right. And that's when they do it. Rod says on the phone call, like he's, he's like, cause they probably hypnotized. <laughs> like again, yeah. Rod just predicting the entire story. Like, I know it's hilarious. Like he's just, he's just some clown, but he gets, he like understands everything that's happening unintentionally. Yeah. It's so and, funny. Um, Chris said like, a lot of people like missed the movement. Like that was a quote. And I thought that was such a good quote because it like summarizes it perfectly because these people are, they're the ones stuck, you know, in the past. And like, that's why there's this serious disconnect. You know what I mean? Huh. Yeah. So then they do the auction, which is just, it's, it like takes you back to slavery times. They're quite literally auctioning a man off. Yeah. Um, and then like the blind man wins so then you're just kind of like, okay, well, obviously something's going on with him. One thing about the, the auction, like it was a silent auction, which kind of yeah. you think of like, not only does it make sense plot wise, because they don't want Chris to hear. Yeah. But it's also silent because like, I don't know, I kind of thought of like the, the silent, like group of silent racists across, you know, the country where yeah. our people yeah. who don't like you know aren't like vocal enough and don't express it but they still have these views yeah whatnot and they do it like that racism still exists like silently you know what i mean so that's the kind of the way i thought about it no definitely it's so much like yeah that's just that's a great that's like such a scary scene it's just again it's it's back to like how much control they have over him like they're quite literally auctioning him off and he has no idea. Yeah. And it also, it too, it seems so genuine that like Rose would want to go talk to him. Cause like you, I mean, you can't tell, like, I know you guys didn't, but like no one could honestly tell me that they had any idea Rose was a part of it. I didn't like, they really expected it. Cause yeah. it, it just seems like she really cares about him. She's trying to get him to calm down a bit. Yeah. Um, the craziest then, thing for me, honestly, so, like you said, Mike, um, Rose was like seemed like super authentic the entire time, and like Rose seemed like Chris's only, you know, friend or person he, he could trust within, you know, how like considering how alone he was in this like in the house, and because there's like, like also like Dean says like there's no neighbors within like yeah a certain amount of like radius and whatnot and that that just shows like how alone he truly is his phone's dead barely any cell coverage rod is basically out of reach and um rose seems like the only person he can trust Mm -hmm. but then when he's going through the photos of rose and you see her with all these other african-americans including georgina georgina yeah her which shows like like she can't okay, be trusted. Yeah. 
Well, I, I think a little bit before that too, one brilliant scene is where, um, I think something we've kind of missed is, and this goes back to the beginning with the deer crash. It's like, so Chris obviously is guilt from what happened with his parents yeah, or with his mom. So when he like, he goes to check on the deer to like make sure the deer, not make sure it's okay, but like to assess the damage. Cause he really like, he cares about these people, right? Yeah. Or he, not these people. He cares about, he's just like a really nice guy. He's a nice and caring guy as far as like people or everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and Rose kind of plays on that in the scene when they're talking in the woods. Cause she's like, do you want to, I don't know what she says exactly, but she's like, do you want to leave with or without me? And Chris is like, I don't know. And then she like turns away looking kind of pissed off at him, mm-hmm. which like plays on the fact that she knows that Chris is like a nice guy. So he'll be like, okay, well now I made her feel bad. So yeah. I have to make her, I have to like make it up to her in a little, like in a small fashion. Yeah. Um, and I think that's just the brilliant part of Rose's character. Yeah. And how well she just plays on, like, she's she's just toying with him, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then... So, yeah, they, they show, Chris finds the photos. Um, I was so scared during that. I was like, like oh, the, my God. It was like, the, the, it's so panicky, like, the Rose give me the keys thing. I know. He says it, like, 20 the times, time, too. It's so like, scary. Building up to that moment, especially, like, watching it the second time, because, like, you know Rose is in on it. And so, like, watching it the second time, the whole time, I'm like, like, dude, like, just get out, like, leave right now, like, and then, but then you see, like, he obviously, like, he, he comes to that conclusion, like, pretty quickly, too, that, like, he needs to get out of there. And then she, the like, family, yeah, the, the family slowly starts circling in on him. Yeah. And then she's like, I'm trying to find the keys, I'm trying to find the keys. And she's like, and then, you know, I can't give you the keys, right? Like, her expression completely flips. And I was like, oh, my God. He finally abandons it, and she's like, "Yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm in with my family," is what she basically like what she's saying. And then, like, yeah. obviously, he wakes up downstairs in the armchair. Well, like, I, I think before that though, I think another thing we've kind of we've slightly missed a bit too, is that she does a great job of alienating herself him, herself from the rest of her family and like yeah. all these people. You know, it, it's like when it's like when they're talking to all those older people and they like say something rude or slightly racist and she just looks like disgusted. Like she's like she seems super mad at them. Mm-hmm. Um, and she does a great job of like showing that she cares about Chris and that all these other people in her family are just weird. Right. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to handle or how to handle being around a black person, um, which, again, adds to how great of a character she is. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so then they kind of, um, by the way, the, the brother in the lacrosse stick, like what, is that just, is that just to make him seem like he's more of a psycho or what's the, psycho. I think, I think, I think it's yeah. random. a lot of times he's the one yeah. who takes out like, you know, cause he's clearly done this before he did it with Andre. He's the one who like violently suppresses them and like puts them under and is able to like restrain them so that they can go into the sunken place and so like he didn't have to do it that time and i think someone even mentions it like it was much better than jeremy's you know suppression method or whatever and yeah well so after that they go down or they're downstairs chris is downstairs like locked up on the chair and you know he's getting the 
like Jim is like telling him about what's going to happen. And like, that's when the reveal happens. And I just remember first time watching it, like, Oh my God. Yeah. It was just crazy. And then I was thinking like Rod was right. And like, whatnot. I remember too, like, yeah, I remember that. But then also like when he, when like Jeremy comes down and like turns away from the chair and we see Chris like rise up in the back. Like I was like, I was legitimately like kind of fired up. I was like, finally, like, he's going to like break out. Yeah. I was, I was, I was like super like relieved, but also still like nervous at the same time. So what he did, like when he uses like, I think it was cotton from the, from yeah. the chair. It's like plug. Yeah. His- he's picking the, Yeah. My, my, uh, my sister, the first time he watched this, my sister notices he's quite literally picking cotton to save himself. Yeah, he's using cotton as like, which is like, the, which is like the perfect, um, Dude, I didn't even think about the fact. Yeah, that it, it's like it's going back to slavery. Yeah, it's crazy. And he also uses doesn't he use he uses the deer to kill Dean? Yeah, like he was connected to the deer. Well, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, yeah. Was, I think though, one thing we kind of miss is the is the scenes with Rod before that. There's like ten minutes of just straight Rod. Yeah, and, like, trying to figure it out. He which like to be honest, like I thought that was pretty fun. I don't know how much I liked it there. Yeah, but, like, I agree. It just so kind of funny. cut away from the action. But it was necessary, though, for the... It was necessary. It's weird. I don't know how I feel about it, because it- I agree. It is necessary. Uh-huh. It's I don't think there's another way to, like, make that happen, though. Because, like, yeah. I wanted Rod at the end. And, like, if, if Rod would have just come about, like, somehow knew he- how- where he was, and it would not have been explained, like, I would have been a little frustrated. Yeah. But- I, think it's- I think it's good. And it's also, like, it's also a funny scene when, like, I feel like when he puts her on hold, you know, on the phone. Oh, phone, yeah. Rose, and he's, <laughs> he's like, trying to record her. He's like, he's, he's like, like, the phone. He's, he's like, like, she is lying. I know that. <laughs> you lying bitch. Yeah, it's so funny. Like, so funny, dude. Hold. Yeah, his, his TSA character is so funny. But I, I don't know how much I like that there, to be honest. It was necessary, though. I think I, it's I necessary, by, I think it but, Okay, yeah. It's funny, too. It's, it's, it's freaking hilarious. When he's yeah, talking to the other deer. cop, we talk about the deer because, like, I I really want to talk. Oh about yeah, it. yeah. Well, like, let's talk about how. So yeah, he escapes though, right? Well, let's talk about the deer, deer. then. Yeah. So he, he, then he then he bashes the brother with the I don't know some kind of ball or something, okay. right? Oh, Back yeah. the head. Yeah, the deer though. And so like the deer was like, there was this line earlier. It was like in the first part of the movie. Dean was like, "When I see a dead deer on the road, I think it's like good. That's a good start." Yeah. And, like the de- like the deer was like connected with um chris and you know i think jordan peele made like the bigger connection to like connect it with um african-americans because like the with the deer head on the wall where he's about to be like you know yeah put put into the sunken place and, or whatever yeah and so like him using the deer as the way to get out like it's kind of similar I don't think it's as impactful as him using the the cotton to suppress his like his ears so he's able to escape. Yeah. But um it's, it's so so yeah, here's how I interpreted that though. And I said this I kind of said this earlier, but like it makes you wonder when it pans to the deer cuz obviously the deer means something bigger, mm-hmm. but like this what I've been talking about this whole time, like how much they control, how much the Armitage family controls, but Chris just has no idea. Mm-hmm. right 
like quite literally everybody, everything, it's all planned out. He's just part of a routine. He's yeah. literally part of a routine. Yeah. Um, and it made like the first time I thought about it, it made me wonder, like, did they purposely get that deer to crash at the beginning? Which makes like no sense, right? Like they couldn't have done that. Yeah. But it just like it got me to that point where I'm like, I'm questioning, like, holy shit, how much yeah. do they really control here? I yeah. mean, if they were able to have this like technology where they could put someone else's mind into another person's body. I, I would kind of believe that if they wanted to, they could control a deer. You know what I mean? Like that's not beyond the. Yeah. I think, I think too, the other, the other side to the whole deer message is that like, you know, Dean is kind of comparing, I think Chris is supposed to be a comparison to the deer like that. He, he doesn't, Dean doesn't really care about the deer nor does he care about all the people that um, that he does this to. Yeah. All the people that he kidnaps and switches their brains or whatever. Um, he doesn't really care about them, but he just, you know, I don't know. I, I think there's a bit more to it outside of like them just controlling everything. Because mm-hmm. like, in a way, it's like he has that deer in that room, right? And people will put like the deer head on the wall. It's like you admire it, right? Yeah. You think it like looks majestic or it looks cool. And I think that's kind of the same thing they're doing with Chris, right? They only care about what it looks like. They don't care about what he looks like. Yeah. But I, I, I agree with that. And I think also having the head on the wall is like showing that you can control something or showing that you have power over something too. Yeah. Like we're going to show, like we can control this and now we're going to show it off for everyone to see. It's the same. It's like you're subhuman. That's the way it is. Because yeah. like with human and animals, like you put, you don't never put, you put animals on display. You know what and I mean? Then, yeah. Another one of like the biggest, like, like another scene. So like we obviously just talked about the deer and then like Chris goes upstairs and like, this is like, I, like the most like triumphant part of the movie for me is when he beats Rose's mom to the teacup and like breaks it. Yeah, he just, he just bitch slapped. I like, I like literally like fist bumped when he did that. He's like, yes, yes, let's go. Yeah. Oh, he was so cool doing it. He just like slapped it and it was just like, yeah. yeah. He and just he, looks at her for like 10 seconds too. Yeah. And then, and then he like he, also takes a knife into his hand. He just stares at her. Like he just has his hand up and he just like facial expression doesn't change. He just stares Yeah, he up. turns the knife around and stabs her with it, too. Yeah. And then he, yeah, he stabs Jeremy with it in the leg later. And I think that's a cool part of it, too, because they keep, like, throwing all these things at him. Yeah. Like, and he turn, he like, he takes the – he kills Dean with the deer. And, like, he's taking this idea of, like, their control and their power, and he's, like, turning it on its head and yeah. killing him with it. Mm-hmm. Which is, like, yeah. it's so – I love this entire – It's so poetic. As, as that sounds, I love this entire killing spree of the family. <laughs> Honestly, like, that's, that's what Peel does so well is he makes that, so, that spree so satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, Dan, like, Chris is obviously, like, so, like, dialed in. Like, it's almost like he's in, like, some, like, super ultra different, like, ultra focused phase kind of. Mm-hmm. and he's like locked in and then he ends up getting in the car like he gets in the car out front like once he's kind of like freed himself hits and he hits georgina and though he only comes back yeah right he only and like he still saves her like he puts her in yeah. a car doesn't he georgina. and then she and then she like because it's not georgina right it's her great rose's grandma 
which is the irony. She's like, you shouldn't have destroyed my house or whatever. Yeah. Or like, and then it was just like, I don't know. It's such a contrast too, because we see Chris brutally murder the three other members of the family. And then he goes back to save one of them. And it's, I think that's just supposed to show that like, he's still the same good guy. Right. But it'd be easy for him to be like, corrupted and i think that kind of goes back to the larger themes of the movie like you know having to do all that stuff i feel like he doesn't get like corrupted in the end like he doesn't turn into a madman yeah Yeah, you're Um, right he's still the same guy and i think that that's kind of a message as to like the product of the environment that people grow up in and like what they live in what they're forced to do like people of poverty um and how they kind of come like bad people as a result of that and I think when he's about to strangle Rose, like when she starts smiling at him, like the oh, first time I watched that, I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's just because she's weird, right? That's yeah. just because she's crazy. But really, it's because I think she's doing that because she thinks that that's what Chris is going to become. Like he's going to become a monster. And that's why, and I think Chris realizes that and he's like, okay, well, then I'm not going to kill her. Yeah. I don't need to. Yeah. And then the smile like leaves her face too. Yeah, like when, when he like goes like leaves her, and like goes to the car with Rod, like mm. smile like. Yeah, and the ending is just it's just. We talked about this before. I was so scared when you know the sirens came about because I thought it was it was gonna yeah. get arrested. But then it's Rod, and I was just there's so much relief because I was like he's gonna be okay. And I I think too it's it's a good. Um, it's a good contrast because I think, you know, what you're saying earlier with that alternate ending, like the sad, the sad reality is like in most cases, that's what would happen. Yeah. Like Chris would have been thrown in jail. He wouldn't have been given a chance to really explain himself. Because they're all dead. Well, it's a happy ending because it's Rod and not like actual police. It's just also kind of sad to think about too, how that probably would have gone down. Yeah. It wasn't Rod who showed up in the cop car. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So should, um, we, should we end by giving it a ranking? Yeah, we should. Anyone, I can start. Anyone, anyone care to start? I will Thank give you. it a 9.75 out of 10. Woo! Some I love this movie. I'm sorry, God I love damn. it. God damn. I think it's so good. I love it. I, I think, I mean, it's just, it's one of those movies like that it takes a lot to watch because you know it's just like emotionally draining because of just like what you know the topic of the like movie it's just like sad to see all yeah. that happen but for what it was going for i don't think there are very many flaws like i think there is yeah that part with rod that those 10 minutes like i didn't i didn't really love the scene with rod no i i don't think that's a flaw i, I don't think that's a flaw it's just like it, it's an interesting choice i feel like I mean, I don't know what the other choices were. I just don't think it was very... It's definitely necessary. It's also not as engaging, though. So that's, like, kind of where I lose a little steam. With yeah. them. And I also feel like some of the... I mean, I get that it's all intentional, but especially on a second rewatch, like, all this stuff with, you know, Georgina and Walter, like, that happens a lot. You know what I mean? Like, they keep doing, like, the same things over and over again to show, like, that they're weird. Yeah. I know. I feel like that happens a lot in like the midway part, like the first and second act. So I like a little focus there, but other than that, like 
don't see any, there's no flaws. This movie okay. is so good. All right, Mort. Yeah, I mean, I had a ranking written down that was very high. Um, cause I, I, I feel like generally I don't give, like, I'm not going to be giving out really good rankings very freely for movies. And I had a ranking down written or I had a ranking down on my, uh, on my notepad here. Um, but as we talk about it, that ranking just kept getting higher and higher. And I have to give this movie a 9.5. I mean, like there, I don't, that's the highest, like, I don't know if there are any movies that I can think of that I would rate higher than this because it has a distinct message that it conveys perfectly in my opinion but it's also a ridiculously engaging movie that makes sense even though there's so much depth so I mean I think Jordan Peele is a complete genius for this movie the acting is ridiculously good so I mean yeah I'm sitting on a 9.5 yeah I'd have to pretty much completely agree with you guys I would give this a 9.6 um this, like I said earlier, this is the best horror movie you can watch right now. Yeah. You know, this beats any like any kind of classic. I'd give me this movie over anything else if I'm trying to be scared, right? This is such an in-depth movie. Uh-huh. Every time I've like every time I've watched this, it just gets or watch like a video on it or anything. It's just like I see something new. It, yeah. The foreshadowing, every line in the first hour, like if you pay attention to it, it has some kind of meaning which, you know, a lot of movies can't say that. Um, No time is wasted either. You know, every part of it is necessary. The acting is phenomenal. Um, Chris, I forget his name, Dan, I forget his last name. Yeah, he is fantastic. The actor who plays Rose, everybody, it's amazing. Movie's pretty funny too, at some points with the classic Jordan Peele comedy. And it's Rob. Um, Yeah, you can rely on the movie. Uh, can rely on it being pretty funny. Rod is like, yeah, Rod's such a sucks, such a sick character. Yeah, an, an important character in this movie. Um, the messages, the themes, they're all amazing. Um, yeah, I give this a nine point six. Watch this if you haven't watched this. Watch this movie. We kind of just didn't spoil the whole thing, so that's I don't fair. know. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um, I mean, but watch it again go back and watch, watch it again. Watch, watch it no yeah watch it again there will be things you missed I guess. Yeah. on social media the stuff that we missed because i know we missed certain themes and whatnot and mm-hmm. yeah I, I, we want to hear it so um i think that's all the time we have for today um so this is breaking news we actually haven't told anyone about this but mike is getting control of our twitter account and oh. Oh. Breaking news, everybody. Breaking I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. He was able to convince me, so he's running the Twitter now. Um, It'll be an interesting, I'll say that. So we'll be back weekly or biweekly. Um, it'll be once the NBA season starts back up, we'll talk a lot more about sports. But I, yeah, I don't we, we don't really know right now, honestly. It's mostly going to be movies for the next couple of weeks. Yeah. But yeah. Sports are sports are in an interesting place, so we're coming back though. We'll do what we're we can. We're coming back. Um, in, in classic '95 Jordan fashion, we're back. <laughs> Follow us on social media: Twitter at What Is The Buzz, YouTube What's Buzzing, um, Spotify What's Buzzing, and then Twitter W Buzzing. Now run by Mike, which could be a good thing or a bad thing. We will see. Very dangerous, but. Um, 
Pretty dangerous, yeah. So, yeah. Um, thank you guys for listening. Until next time, keep buzzing.